Hey guys, welcome to the Fit Town Show. I'm Coach Andrew, joined with Coach Nick, and we're doing Meet the Coaches with Coach Nick today. Uh, Nick started with us back in July of last year, July of 2019, and uh, has been with us a little over a year. It's been a quite quite a year so far. Yeah, it has. Um, so let's start off with um, explaining your last name so we, we know how to pronounce <laughs> it and get that right. So it's... Kyo Munchung. Not nearly as tough as it looks. I feel like my dad added some extra letters in there just to mess with us. That's just the kind of like the guy he is where he's just constantly trolling people. And like he's all about the dad jokes. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to throw these extra letter letters in here just to mess with people. What's, and what's the background of uh, that He's name? from Laos. So small country right next to Thailand and Asia, of course. They're very similar to Thailand as far as like culture and food and language. So every time I go to a Thai restaurant, I always know what to get. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever met someone with the same last name as you? That's not family? Uh, not the same last name, but I definitely have met other people with some very exotic last names. Um, when I was in the Air Force, I remember this like very specific situation. Um, it was like, I think it was in tech school, so my follow-on training after basic training. And they were like, Keo, they, that's what they call me, Keo. They were like, Keo, Keo, come here, we gotta, we gotta introduce you to this guy, he's got a crazy last name. And it was, I don't remember what it was, but it started with a P, and it was like some wild last name. And I was like, oh, it's uh, da 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 And they were like, oh my god, you nailed it. <laughs> and he nailed mine too. Nice. So, you know, from one long name to another, I think we kind of figured it out. Nice. Yeah. Um, so give us some of the other basics of just like, how old are you? Uh, where were you born? Stuff like that. So, 34. Uh, old guy, right? Ancients. <laughs> also 34. Yes. <laughs> so not that old, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, born in uh, Rantoul, Illinois, is um, and then now defunct Air Force Base. Chanute uh, Air Force Base was the name. My dad was in the Navy, and uh, that's kind of how we ended up there from that Chicago area. So I think that was the nearest military hospital to Chicago at the time. And uh, so that's where I was born. My parents met in the Navy and uh, didn't stay there for too long. Just bounced all over the world after that and never really had much of a home, uh, kind of until he retired, but just kind of been all over the place. Nice, where did you spend the most time? Like where would you consider you grew up in, if anywhere? So I would probably say I grew up and spent most of my kind of development years in a, just outside Jacksonville, Florida. That's where I went to high school. So my dad retired in the year 2000 and that's where he decided he wanted to settle down. So I spent all four years in my high school there at Clay High, Blue Devils. Um, spent a couple years just kind of messing around after that. And that's where I left from uh, to go to the Air Force. Nice. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about how you found CrossFit? I've heard the story before. It's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, so <laughs> I was deployed, uh, my first deployment to Iraq. And I had heard of CrossFit, like seen the YouTube videos, like Jason Kalifa and Chris Spieler throwing down at the games. And I was like, wow, like I will never do that. Those people look crazy. <laughs> and uh, so, I was in Iraq and I had been doing um, the Mark Ripito 5x5 strong lifts program, mm -hmm. very basic. 
Um, but I was getting some results from it, and I was getting kind of bored, of course. And I saw that on the base there in Iraq, they had like a little CrossFit room and they had some classes that they were doing. So I took a look at the schedule and I was like, oh man, that fits. So I'm gonna get off work today, I'm gonna go check it out. And, and uh, I walked through the door and there's just this massive man who greets me there. And he's got this big old like fighter pilot mustache, the big bushy mustache. And he goes, hey, I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, what's going on? And he goes, so what do they call you? And I'm like, Nick, Nick is fine. You can just call me that. And he goes, okay, well, I'm showdown. And like right then and there, I wanted to turn around and leave because this massive man named Showdown was about to coach me in CrossFit. So it was all a lot. It was a lot to take in at the time, but I stuck with it and, uh, you know, he, he led me through the warm-up. I'll never forget that warm-up. Um, that was my first introduction to ring dips. And in, so, the warm-up. in the warm-up. In the warm-up. In the warm-up, yeah. You know, my, things have changed. Um, but he goes, you know, this is a pretty standard warm-up. He gets on the rings, starts doing them. He gets on the pull-up bar, just starts busting out pull-ups. And I'm pretty sure he ran at 400 meters and then came back before, like, I even processed what was going on. And... So I'm like watching him do these ring dips and I'm like, okay, like this like really big dude is knocking him out. I can, I can probably do him too. And I get on the rings and I'm shaking so much that I'm just spinning around on top of the rings. And he's like, okay, well, we'll try this again another time. And yeah, I think Tabata, Tabata this was our first workout. I tore my hands in the pull-ups. It was great. Loved it. And been drinking the Kool-Aid ever since. Nice. And... You were an affiliate owner at one I point was. as well. So how did you evolve from where you were to, did you become a coach first or did you go right to Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, great journey. Uh, wouldn't take it back for anything in the world. Uh, came back from Iraq and uh, just started working out on my own. And it was kind of strange, you know, I'm just in the gym by myself. You know, that's just how it was back in the day. You're always by yourself and um, just watched people move. And I'm like, from like a almost selfish standpoint, you're like, man, like this person hurts himself. That's, that's a person that has to get replaced like on a deployment or work. You know, somebody has to step up and take that guy's spot. So I would just, I was now like that guy who would offer like unsolicited fitness advice at the gym. <laughs> and it didn't work a lot of the times, but sometimes I would get good feedback. And I was like, man, I kind of like doing this. And, you know, it was just kind of a habit at the time. So, you know, I kind of stuck with that habit. I discovered, wow, I kind of like doing this. I ended up being um, like the PT leader in my squadron. So. I would design workouts for like 400, 500 people to do all at the same time, and everybody hated me for it, you know? But we got really good PT tests. So, um, you know, you're welcome for passing <laughs> your PT test. And uh, so I ended up getting orders to Panama City, uh, Tyndall Air Force Base, and was kind of bummed out at the time because I get there and um, we're just doing workouts there at the, the fitness center, which is not a CrossFit gym. And uh, one day, um, I'm sitting in the, in the parking lot of the, the base exchange there, like our little shopping area. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there, I don't know, I think we're listening to the radio. And I look forward, and there's this little tiny building right there off in the parking lot over by the bowling alley, and I see some big tires sitting out there. And I'm like, 
hmm, what are those tires out there for? So I just keep sitting there like, just kind of imagining what those tires could be used for. And I see two dudes come out the back door and start doing wall balls outside on the wall there. And I'm like, oh man, like it looks like they might be doing a CrossFit workout. So I go park over there. And I mean, it was about the size of like our retail area. I mean, <laughs> so small. There was, I think three rowers, a four foot section and six foot section on a rogue rig, like a couple of squat racks, some slam balls, some kettlebells, bumper plates. I mean, enough to get the job done. And um, from there, I just started working out on my own. I, I, did, I discovered a little community. And uh, one day there was a, a sign posted up on the door. It said, hey, we're looking for volunteer coaches. Shoot me an email. And so shot the guy an email. Come to find out it was the highest ranking enlisted member on the base, Command Chief, Command Chief Master Sergeant Chief DeVee who had like a 28 minute Murph time, like wildly in shape. And um, I go to his office and it's like, I had never seen such a room before with so much leather and mahogany and it was insane. So here I am like this little E4 airman at the time uh, going into the chief's office and like it was just such a humbling experience, but he was so cool. And like all we talked about was working out the entire time. And so he's like, yeah, you know, we'll go pay for your level one, we'll get you coaching, and you can start doing volunteer classes. So I did that, and this was 2012 at the time. And uh, yeah, I remember my first class ever. Uh, I was uh, coaching Chief DV and our colonel, the base colonel, so the highest ranking officer on base, uh, Colonel Graf was his name. And I treated them just like I would any other athlete, you know, cued them up, you know, gave them a little external motivation and they loved it. And so started doing that every single day, 4.30 uh, after I got off work and eventually they gave me $30,000 and we set up our own uh, nonprofit military affiliate there on base, Checker Tail CrossFit, which I believe no longer exists because of Hurricane Michael, hit Panama City pretty hard a couple years ago. And, uh, yeah, just got the coaching bug and it never left. So I got the opportunity to get out of the Air Force in 2014. And so I took it, uh, opened up an affiliate back in Jacksonville, did that for a couple years, decided that coaching was way more fun than owning a gym. And uh, I mean, it was extremely rewarding. I mean, the struggle and the learning curve and it was really, really hard, you know, and I wouldn't take any of that experience back for anything, you know, no regrets. So, um, so with, with, uh, kind of owning one versus coaching, because, you know, we had a conversation when you were applying for the job mm -hmm. and had a similar one with Austin and Danielle, who also owned their own affiliate. Yep. And it was like this realization of like, I don't really want to own an affiliate. I just love the coach. Yeah, exactly. So what, I mean, what do you love about coaching and what, what is it about that versus owning that really fits you? So I don't like math, first of <laughs> all. And, you know, when you own a gym, you, you better know how to do some math because there's a little bit of accounting involved. Um, so there was that. And, you know, there's the taxes and like all the stuff you're dealing with the county and the city. And I'm just like, man, this is kind of whack. 
you know, you're getting all these spam calls all the time from people that are trying to get you to buy their equipment or buy some sort of service that they offer. Like literally, I think like the moment I filed for my LLC, like I was getting phone calls from people. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, and when you're coaching, it's really hard to do that, to provide the best quality product possible when you're thinking about, oh man, taxes are due. Um, you know, oh, I gotta do this today. I gotta go buy paint. I gotta clean. I gotta do all this stuff. And all this stuff is in the back of your head at the same time you're coaching all these classes. So, shout out to, you know, you and Tony, obviously, for sticking to it and sticking to that grind. Um, but it just wasn't for me. You know, I just wanted to coach, you know, and just hang out with my friends and coach. And that's really, really hard to do at the same time when you're trying to make money too. Well, so what do you enjoy most about coaching or what, what's sort of your niche or, or what do you, you know, what, what really fills you up about it? So first of all, I like hanging out with people. You know, like that's it. I just like kicking it with people and chatting and uh, getting to know individuals like on a very like deeper than surface level, you know, relationship. And coaching provides that opportunity to not just empower people to move better, which is awesome. You know, you're taking people from not knowing how to squat and not hitting, you know, range of motion that they're used to doing or not being able to go up and down a flight of stairs without being winded, you know, to getting to know that individual on a very personal level and knowing like their life story and their family and all that stuff. You know, I mean, there's there's really nothing more vulnerable, I think, in my opinion. And, you know, I don't think most people think of it at this level, but there's really nothing more vulnerable than walking through those doors. I mean, you're really putting yourself out there for everyone to see because this, like these four walls, they don't lie. You know, like that ski erg does not lie, unfortunately. <laughs> You know, that monitor does not lie to you. And, um, you know, did you squat or did you not? And so I think that vulnerability that people encounter here at a gym, plus the community aspect of it, just allows you to build really strong relationships. Yeah, yeah, it's a great platform to connect and be able to go deeper, which is hard to do in other parts of your daily life as yeah. much as you might yeah. want to try to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people, for the most part, and, you know, it's probably not a bad thing, but a lot of people just kind of stay guarded. You know, it's a crazy world out there and there's a lot of stuff. And, you know, being in an environment like this allows people to kind of be themselves a little bit. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about more of the uh, personal side. You have mm -hmm. some pets, right? I have a Chihuahua, yeah, that's my homeboy, my best friend, Bo, shout out to Bo. Um, sure he's, he's probably watching. He, yeah, he's definitely watching right now. He's like, what's dad up to? Um, he's recording a podcast, he told me about it. Um, yeah, that's, uh, he's I think 17 years old now, um, and I tell people that and they're always stunned because he's still got some athleticism to him. You know, I was doing some little hill runs with him the other day and those little legs were moving. And... Uh, yeah, How long did Chihuahuas live? I don't even know. I don't know, but he's going to set the record for sure. <laughs> okay. 
You know, he eats all paleo, grain free. <laughs> I got him moving every single day. He's nice. gonna, he's gonna be good to go. He lives a very stress free lifestyle. <laughs> that man has no stress whatsoever. So, um, and what are some of your interests outside the gym? What are some things that you like to do outside the gym? Yeah, so um, we live in a beautiful area, so I take advantage of that. Uh, water, you know, I try to get on the water as much as I can. So the beach, uh, paddleboard, bike ride, uh, hike, you know, just try to get outside as much as possible. Um, contrary to popular belief, I do read. I do <laughs> like to read. Uh, so what's your favorite book? My favorite book ever. <laughs> my favorite book series is obviously <laughs> Lord of the Rings. You know, got the tattoo and everything. I think my favorite book of all time is uh, probably Sahara by um, Clive Cussler, who just re recently passed away. So shout out to him. Uh, it's this book series about this character named Dirk Pitt. Did they make a movie about that? Yeah, they that, did. Okay. Yeah, terrible movie, but I thought the <laughs> casting was great. Matthew McConaughey, I thought, played a great Dirk Pitt. Uh, just not a very good script. Yeah. But that's a that's a really hard one to put in translation for the uh, the big screen. Um, music, music is like my life. Yeah, we can't know? do Meet the Coaches with Nick. No, no, y'all know I love my tunes. Uh, and it's funny, I'm. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and they're like, "I I wish I liked anything as much as you liked music." <laughs> and um, you know, like you know what? Like it's I grew up listening to music. You know, I remember, you know, my mom cleaning the house when I was a kid and banging, you know, uh, Meatloaf and Aerosmith, <laughs> and I was like, I must have been two or three years old. In my dad's, I think he had a 240Z at the time, fast car. And we were in Germany and we were, we were banging some techno music. So, I mean, it's been with me my entire life. It's always going to be there. So, yeah. Still have the beat in your head. Tunes, from yeah. Day. Yeah. Oh, I'm still vibing. <laughs> haven't, haven't stopped vibing. Um, so, what is it about the songs with no lyrics? You know, <laughs> allow for a deeper connection. Uh, sometimes I find the lyrics to be a little bit distracting, you know, like I just want to hear a beat. And so I had been here, I don't know, a few weeks at the time, and I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to change up this fit radio station. So I start playing some music, and Amanda comes up to me, Coach Amanda, and she's like, Nick, you know what? I really like your music. I just wish it had a few more lyrics, a few more words. And so I'm like, I'm gonna mess with her. And I'm like, Amanda, you don't see the words like floating in the sky? And she goes, no, I don't. And I'm like, neither do I, it's okay. I don't actually see that. But you know, like, you know, something about just that beat that just allows you to just kind of vibe out. And I will like an occasional lyric here and there if it means something, you yeah. know. I just don't want some like arbitrary lyrics. For for the people who are interested in that that type of music, who are your favorite DJs? Favorite DJs, uh, uh, above and beyond for sure. Uh, Yato, Y O T T O is how you spell that guy's name. Uh, Cuba Color, anything house, like a lot of house stuff. So it's a slower BPM. It's something you can put on at any time. You know, it's not very, it's not very like everybody jump. 
You know, I'm a little too old for that. You know, I want to do all my jumping in the gym and save it for here. Um, so I think anybody can get into it. Nice. Um, one thing that I've, I've noted in your journey is how much weight you've put on, muscle you put on. Yeah. Um, has that been hard for you or was that hard for you? So that's really interesting um, because, you know, I, I've always been kind of blessed with a gift of seeing things from a very, very wide angle. And, you know, seeing things from like seven years from now and nine years from now. And also being, being able to obsess about the little details at the same time, but not letting them overwhelm like the big picture. And so um, I didn't realize how small that I was, you know? And never really thought about it, never really paid any much attention to it. So I go into the military, and I think I weighed like 118 at the time. So I'm like, small guy. And um, I came out of basic training gaining like 10 pounds, which is unusual. Most people go to basic training and they lose a ton yeah, of weight. so much conditioning. Yeah, a lot of conditioning. You're, I don't know, calorie deficit pretty much every day. So the fact that I gained weight was bizarre. And again, I never really noticed it. And I get back home, I'm at, my family's like, wow, you're looking good, gain some muscle. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, and so obviously I get into the military and it's kind of your job to start working out now. And I'd always liked the idea of a barbell. You know, it just made sense to me. So that's why I started the Ripito program. Um, you know, one of the very first books that I read concerning strength and conditioning would be starting strength, mm -hmm. you know, highly recommend it. And so squat, deadlift, bench, good time, you know, and again, never really noticed anything except numbers that I was adding to my lifts. That's what I really paid attention to. And then when I jumped on to the CrossFit football program, which I discovered like totally accidentally, uh, in 2011, which that entire program revolves around a heavy barbell every single day. The conditioning is fast. Um, that's when I actually kind of noticed that I was like putting on some muscle. And I'm like, oh man, this is cool. You know, let's not really pay too much attention to it. Let's focus on adding five pounds to our squat every Monday and Thursday. And that's all I did, you know, until today you know i i still never really pay much attention to that it's like all right you know what's austin got programmed for this week how am i going to attack this oh and also by the way you know let me go check out this um in body every so occasionally and i'm like man those these numbers are awesome um cool let's let's continue to just do our job and get better in the gym was there ever a diet shift in there where you had to um like intentionally consume more calories? Yeah, so uh, I got really sick at, at a point, like right when I first moved here, and I had probably lost a significant amount of weight just because I wasn't eating. And then so I switched to milkshakes on a <laughs> nightly basis, and these milkshakes are now kind of infamous. And uh, yeah, that was, definitely intentional in waking. Wow, what wasn't in the milkshake? <laughs> I'll tell you what wasn't in there. Vegetables were not in there. Um, it was not a juice cleanse, that's for sure. Uh, let's see, Reese's peanut butter cups. Um, 
Trader Joe's cookie butter, almond butter, uh, I think grass-fed butter too, yeah. all the fat. Ice cream, yeah. right? Ice cream, yeah, like whatever kind of ice cream was in the fridge, cookie dough, ice cream, you know, Ben and Jerry's fish food, uh, throw in some chocolate syrup in there too, some whipped cream, protein powder, basically anything and everything in the pantry and mm-hmm. in the freezer and in the fridge. And yeah, it got the job done. Definitely not the healthiest approach. Uh, but I mean, if you're looking to pack on some pounds, lift a barbell and take in excess calories and there it is. You still do that? I do not. <laughs> I do not. I, I think I'm at pretty much the, the phase of my life where I'm, I'm maintaining and just focusing on health and wellness. So um, you guys have been great about that. I, I loved the last uh, nutrition challenge that we did with 800 grams of everything and then you know, uh, checking out the protein and weighing all that stuff. So a lot of those habits I've still been able to pick up on. I've been a terrible person about water consumption pretty much forever. Like water's never really been my thing. And uh, so I've gotten a lot better about hydration. And, uh, you know, I just, I just feel good now. So that's, that's kind of my goal on a daily basis is just just feel good. Like come up to the gym, show up do what you can do the best that you can do at that moment and um you know just eat well nice um do you have a favorite exercise and that could be a favorite exercise to coach and then a favorite exercise to do so it's interesting i go i go back and forth a lot with my favorite movements to coach because i feel like it changes constantly um recently uh, probably i think maybe maybe because I've seen a need for it. Uh, the snatch and actually my old arch nemesis, the skier, mm. probably my two favorite things to coach, definitely some of my favorite things to do now in the gym as well. The skier is probably one of my favorite stories. Um, we did stripper G. I had, hadn't been here for too long, but I, was, yeah. I thought I was in pretty good shape at the moment. I start to get my weight back and, you know, I had, uh, Travis Webster on one side and Kim Haberman on the other side. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, Travis is like seven feet tall. He's definitely gonna smoke this ski, but I should be able to, you know, do some work next to Kim. And she consistently, every single round, got off that ski rig about 30 seconds faster than I would. (laughs) And I'm like, what is going on here? This is physically impossible. This should not be happening. You know, Kim's a stud, however, keep that in mind. Kim is a stud. And so immediately after that workout, I think I went to you, or I went to somebody, I'm like, you need to teach me how to ski, like, right now. And, you know, something clicked about it, and ever since then, I just, I love the movement. I love the violence of it. I love that it gives your legs a rest, because very few things in this gym give your legs an opportunity to rest. And, and I think it's a great coaching tool for athletes who just don't quite understand that yeah we're not using our legs really yeah on this movement and i think for some folks that's something that they have a difficult time wrapping their head around and this snatch is almost very similar to a point to where you know cosmetically and aesthetically you know you walk into the room and you're like oh that person has a really good snatch like mechanically they move really well until they add five pounds and it's like what are what what are they missing there at the top Mm -hmm. and nine times out of ten it's that 
violent, fast turnover that they're just not finishing there at the top. And so you have that conversation with that athlete and you're like, I want you to get really angry and I would just want you to get just violent. And I think a lot of people are kind of maybe taken aback by the word violence, but it puts an image in your head and you're like, okay, violent snatch, bam, there it is. And you're like, wow, that's what I've been missing this entire time. Thanks. And so just kind of seeing that shift from a pretty snatch to a violent snatch is, I think, extremely rewarding. Cool. Um, do you have a favorite benchmark workout or maybe a more, most memorable workout for you? So favorite benchmark workout ever, probably Fran, only because I'm good at it. Um, <laughs> But, you know, God, there's so many memorable benchmark workouts. Uh, Super G is definitely, definitely up there because I came back and crushed it the second time that I did nice. it. Um, I, I Austin programs so many good workouts that I, I want to get another crack at. Uh, there is one specifically I remember that just did a number on me. It was uh, a little bit before the quarantine. Um, Two rounds, 800 meter run, max, with the time remaining, max calorie bike. Mm. And then there was like a five minute rest, two rounds, 800 meter ski, max calorie row. And I just remember that being such a humbling workout. I would, Austin, if you're watching, let's do that again. Um, yeah, I just remember that being such a humbling workout. Uh, yeah, so Fran's up there. I love to do Cal Su right around my birthday every single year, just because it's like, all right, I, I made it another year. Let's let's go put yourself in that pain cave for like 30 minutes. Yeah, that again. was terrible. Oh, so good. So what is, what is it about? And I think I mean I think this is true for a lot of people in here, but it's not it's not it's the exception outside of the gym for sure, where you get your butt kicked and mm -hmm. it makes you more excited to come back to that so where does that mentality come from for you or is that is that something you have to work on to be able to like do really bad at a workout like super g and instead mm -hmm. of trying to go the opposite you know turn the other way and and uh never come back to that workout or avoid it you're like itching to get back at it yeah i think a lot of what we do here should be like a, a metaphor for life in general. Like, so, man, I did really bad on this presentation at the office. How can I do better? Um, me as a coach, like, how can I do better coaching this class? What can I do better? Where did I mess up? And how can I reattack and provide a better performance for the next time? So there's that. I think, you know, we've been deconditioned in a way to avoid discomfort. Um, but that's where you grow and I think 2020 has been a great symbol of that of that the only thing certain is uncertainty at the end of the day you know you can plan for the best but at the end of the day the universe is going to do whatever the universe is going to do and so if you can take a shift of mindset from Man, 2020, worst year ever, right? 
into, wow, what a great challenge. Yeah. Um, this is going to make me so much better. You know, if I step up and rise to the occasion that is being presented to me right now of an opportunity to get better and learn, then I think the folks who take advantage of those situations are the ones who really excel and exceed and are just happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you think about like we've been, we've had the gym for eight years and it would be easy to look three or four years ago and, and say, okay, well, why do we push ourselves this hard in the gym? What are we really going to face in life that's mm -hmm. going to push us to that? Yeah. And then you look at 2020 and Absolutely. what, how resilient you need your body to be mm -hmm. both mentally and physically you know, if you, if you do catch COVID, mm -hmm. um, or if you're just trying to keep yourself resilient mm -hmm. mentally, uh, about, you know, the possibility of catching it and not, um, you know, letting it just take control of your mind, uh, you know, that it, it's, it showed us what we're training for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, obviously, you know, a few of the coaches came down with it. I came down with it, but at no point was I ever afraid. You know, because I'm like, man, I've been through so many more work, worse workouts than this. And, you know, in the back of your mind, there's always that sliver of doubt, right, that we're trying to that yeah. fight off. And that doubt starts to creep into your head of, oh, well, well, maybe I'm not ready for this. And you take a second, you take a step back, and you nasal breathe, ideally. <laughs> and you, you go through some breathing exercises, and you're like... I've been preparing for this since 2012, since 2010, yeah. since I started working out. You know, my lungs are, are good to go. I am mentally tough, you know. I think, I think humans are so in the moment that they forget all of the stuff that they've been through that got them to that point. And I think if, if you're able to take a step back and go through like a highlight reel in your head of man like i've been through some things and i'm going to go through this and i'm going to be fine just like i was all those other times you know um kelly starrett one of my favorite coaches uh he talks about that humans are anti-fragile right we are really 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 hard to kill and hard to put down and I just think we forget that sometimes with all the negativity that just stems around, people feed off of it. Um, so if you can just kind of maintain that, that anti-fragile mindset that you can just get through it, you'll be all right. A um, couple quick questions to yes, finish sir. up here. Do you have a favorite movie? Ah, favorite movie. Um, movies that I can put on anytime, anywhere, any yeah, place. Yeah, multiple ones. Jurassic Park. It's on Netflix. The Thank original? God. The original one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, Independence Day. Uh, Casino Royale. Uh, that James Bond movie. Mm -hmm. um, Superbad. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, all the Lord of the Rings movies, obviously. Um, those, like, you just cannot go wrong with. You got comedy. You got drama. You got action. It's covering all the bases. A little bit of romance in there, too, if you're into that. Nice. Yeah. And I don't know if the, uh, the nighttime milkshake answered this question, but probably not. Um, favorite food or, or cheat meal? 
favorite food or cheat meal? Uh, if I had to pick a favorite cheat meal, probably Five Guys double cheeseburger with bacon and their uh, Oreo peanut butter milkshake with whipped cream. Can't go wrong with that. Also, my mother's apple pie. I can't wait to have it Thanksgiving. Nice. <laughs> She's watching. So She's yeah, definitely watching. There. Shout out to my love you, mom. <laughs> yeah. And then I know you've lived in a lot of places throughout the world and outside of Jupiter, where you are now, um, where's your favorite place to live? Like, where would you live outside of here? So, um, Chicago is up there for sure. Um, gorgeous city. It's going through some things right now, um, but she'll be all right. And uh, Seattle, Washington, absolutely gorgeous. Um, those are those are up there, you know, all, along with Jupiter. I mean, this is Jupiter to quest of paradise. Like, I tell people all the time that like it's almost not real. It's like a bubble. Like nothing bad happens inside to quest of like inside this bubble. Um, but yeah, there there's something about those Chicago winners that you know when that wind hits you in the face, you're like, man, I'm alive right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it for everybody, but yeah. If you want to feel alive, go hang out in Chicago in February. You know, walk around the city for a little bit. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today yes, on the, the show, and thanks for being a part of our team. Nick. Absolutely. Love to be here.